Hello, Screen Thought lovers. Welcome, Elizabeth Basson, West Wing fan extraordinaire, and thanks for joining me tonight. It's an exciting night for sure, so welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I've actually got the town hall, the one I'm supposed to be watching. <laughs> Wait, are you doing the Biden one? Yeah, the Biden one is on in the background, so the ratings matter. Right. Um, well, there you Yes, because exactly. apparently that's a thing. It is. Well, yeah. and also, you know, we want to do the right thing, but we're going to move on and talk about <laughs> our joint love of the West Wing. Now, Elizabeth's father and I went to high school together, didn't talk or see each other for 50 years. And then through Facebook, et cetera, we've sort of reconnected and we're all on the same page in terms of our politics. So Elizabeth and I were talking just a couple of days ago about our joint love of the West Wing. Oh, the West Wing. Yes. Written by what I consider to be the finest writer for television and film, Aaron Sorkin, in the history of modern screen thoughts. And I, I know you must agree, right? I mostly agree. You know, I, I work in film and TV, so I, I don't know if I'm allowed to actually say that, but yeah, I pretty much agree. Okay, but also, if you put him next to, let's say, talk some of the women writers, like Nancy Myers. Nancy Myers moves me in many ways, too. And I yeah, think absolutely. from a feminist perspective, she's amazing, but there's something about Aaron's ability with dialogue and his ability to wrote, write both the female and the male character, which I think is hard to do, you know? I agree. I think it depends on which show we're talking about. I think if you're talking about Sports Night and I think if you're talking about West Wing, you're absolutely right. I think once you start getting into Studio 60 and Newsroom, well, you have slightly yeah. different opinions. You'll, we'll have to come back and we'll have to do Newsroom. Were you not a fan of Newsroom? I was a fan of Newsroom. The issue is, is that I've actually worked in a newsroom. And so the, the problem is you want to believe that the people in the West Wing are the people in right. the West Wing. Well, and by the way, many of the people in the West Wing and the people he had working with him on the West Wing were in the were, West Wing. Yeah. Yeah. So I think there is a, a sense of truth to there. But Let's talk about that the New York Times, December 2019, Sarah Lyle wrote, the West Wing is a workplace drama. Keep in mind, this is 2019 and the West Wing came out in 1999 and yeah. was worked for seven seasons. So this is many years after it finished. The West Wing, she writes, a workplace drama set in the White House and dedicated to the notion that Washington is run by good people who are doing their best, was broadcast on NBC for seven seasons from 1999 to 2006. Though its ratings declined over the years, at its peak, it regularly drew more than 70 million viewers. Bradley Whitford, who plays Josh, called I it liberal- I love Josh Lyman. I, I know, called it liberal porn. And I yeah. think, and it's had this, you know, for so long, people have wanted Aaron to write a sequel series. I mean, begged him, begged him, begged him. The original launched in 99 and with Sorkin's pen doing the first four seasons. But since Trump has taken office, the West Wing has had a resurgence, a huge one. And finally, this New York Times article really speaks to the fact that it probably happened because people are so terrified by what we see as an out of control White House that we're yearning for the normality and the sanity and everything around that. So finally, Aaron decided to bring back the cast to benefit when we all vote, to get out the vote for the upcoming election. So the reunion featuring a theatrical stage presentation of season three's Hartsfield Landing episode debuted today, October 15th on HBO Max, two weeks before the election. 
And the special, which is again benefiting when we all vote, will include act breaks with guest appearances from people like Michelle Obama, uh, Bill Clinton, and Lynn Manuel Miranda. So we both watched it when it came out in the middle of the night. What do you have to say? What? Uh, give me an intro. What was your? What were your thoughts? I mean, I was immediately teary. <laughs> I was immediately teary when I saw the trailer, though. Well, so. you know, it's funny because I started weeping and I wrote this in my written thing. There's a difference between crying and weeping. Weeping mm -hmm. is sort of this sad cry where it just sort of drips out of you. And mm -hmm. when the theme music came on, played by guitar by the man who wrote it, and you see him Snuffy sitting- Walden. Yeah. It's a great name. Okay. You know, <laughs> I, to me, that was that trigger. So you started weeping right away too? Yeah, it was, it was, well, I started weeping because they immediately started talking about John Spencer and how mm -hmm. he's obviously passed and unable to be there tonight. And so Sterling K. Brown heroically steps up to try. Boy, to that's a tough one. Would you have taken that role on? I'm not sure I would have. You know, it's funny because Aaron tweeted, there was a, a rumor about West Wing starting again. And I think there was a tweet exchange back and forth between Aaron Sorkin and Sterling K. Brown. And Aaron said something about how he wouldn't do it unless Sterling K. Brown agreed to star. And Sterling oh, responded and said, any time, any place, let's go. So that was the only choice Aaron wanted then. Yeah, I think it sounded like it. Yeah, um, yeah. And he did a beautiful job stepping into unbelievable shoes. And so I was immediately misty. In a way, <laughs> I mean, I hate to say this because keep in mind the dialogue in this version of Hartsfield Landing is the same dialogue that was done mm -hmm. in the original mm -hmm. all those years ago. And obviously, you know, he watched Spencer's performance. Yeah. He has a more serious, I don't know. A, a more yeah, I agree. A, what is it, depth? I don't even... Well, I, I wouldn't necessarily call it depth. I think he, he's, more, he's more grounded in the role as more of an authority. And I think part of this might be because he's actually younger than most of the people he's playing against. Whereas yeah. John Spencer already had that built-in yeah. older gentleman, you know, yeah. air about him. But he also, you know, John Spencer, all, they, they'd had three seasons to build up this beautiful relationship between all of them. That's true. It's a hard place to fall in. But also keep in mind, John Spencer actually died in the final season. Yeah. And he died of a heart attack, which he had suffered during that season. In other words, there was just way too much reality hitting, you know, fantasy in that moment in time, but it was devastating for the entire yeah. cast, which were all That's very actually all over the show though. Yeah. They predicted, for lack of a better word, a lot of things like that. The leaks out of the White House around the time, the running of Obama versus McCain, was Jimmy Smith's and Alan Alda's characters were based off of them. This was before the election. And they had written into Leo's Well, character. not only that, Jimmy Fitt, you know, he's a man of yeah. color. So, I mean, if you think, Aaron Sorkin had an incredible ability to foresee what was happening because there's True. rarely something that's happening in today's world that I don't look and say, oh, that's season X, sure. you know, episode yeah. Y, you know, it's really, really crazy. So, okay. So, so you started off weeping because you've missed John Spencer. Okay. It, the reason we decided to do this podcast together that I asked you to do this was because my review said, I don't know why they chose this one. I don't even think it's in anybody's top 10 and you wrote me back and said, you know, not only is that not right, but in addition to that, it's perfect for this time. And the minute you said that to me, I was like, she's absolutely right. I totally missed the boat. Walk through for our listeners 
why you think this was the perfect one to choose? Well, I think this is the perfect episode because I, I believe that Aaron Sorkin does very little without intention. I've never met the man. It's a dream of mine. But everything he writes has a theme and has a message, right? He's speaking to a larger audience. And this episode brings us right to the heart of the upcoming election season for President Bartlett. And remember, this was 2002 when this was happening within the original script. And we weren't where we are now. And where we are now is in a reality that's so far removed from the Bush White House. My God, the good old days. Whoever thought he would look like a I know. Guy, yeah. But this is an episode where we're coming in, there's a rift between Toby and the president. Because Toby and the president know that the upcoming opponent out of the Republican Party is going to be a lightweight named Richie. Not only is it lightweight, but in an earlier episode... Basically, the president calls him stupid. Yeah. Bartlett calls him dumb. Oh, that's actually in the next said, episode. Oh, is it the next episode? Okay, he actually he actually says, you know, this is why I'm going to bury yeah. you because you he's know, a 22 caliber and, in a 357 Magnum world. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Go ahead. And this is when the president, you know, he's had four sleepless nights in between when Toby and the president had a fight, which is essentially about the fact that Jed's father never liked him because he was smarter than him. And well, that's Toby's that's version. Toby's Jeb version. really never really bought into that. But really the theme of what you're talking about underlying here is people fighting the desire to not be intelligent to the American right. people. Right. And Richie is the antithetical to everything that Jed is, right? He's plain spoken. He's folks. He despises the Ivy League elite. And Jed is the embodiment of that, right? He's a Nobel Prize winning economist. And he knows how to speak Latin. He frequently does on the show. And he is afraid to be unliked. He thinks that it's his greatest flaw, when in reality, it's what makes him the best person for the job. Well, not only that, you listed off Richie's attributes that Bartlett maybe looks down on. But I think the thing that Bartlett really looks down on is that Richie Shallow and doesn't do his homework. Oh, I don't think that Jed looks down on those things. I think he doesn't present that way. Right. And he's afraid of the fact that he doesn't present that way because it costs him votes. And the disrespect that he has in my mind for Richie is you're lazy. Mm -hmm. And if you think about it, how parallel to me is that right now in this moment in time? Like, I don't know if Trump is smart or not. And I've lost a lot of listeners on Screen Thoughts because I've gone to politics, but I don't think mm. this is a moment in time when I can worry about that. I mm -hmm. do think that if Trump is smart, which I don't necessarily think he is, then his lack of curiosity or desire to have knowledge and to use knowledge to give, give any opinion is just shocking to me. And Richie was very similar. Yeah, it's... Right before this episode is the episode where the president can't sleep because of what Toby has said to him. Uh, and the shrink that they bring in to work with him talks to him about the curve he's created on, right? The Lincoln bedrooms right down the, the hallway. And Lincoln was willing to give up half the country, even if it meant losing the election. And he looks at the president and he says, I don't think you're willing to give up Michigan, <laughs> you know, if it means doing the right thing. Or his beloved New Hampshire, you know, how upset. Or his beloved New Hampshire. <laughs> exactly. But this is a show where we're presented with someone who wants to do the right thing. 
And I think that's part of why probably the show is seeing such a resurgence right now, because we're, we're missing that. We're but missing I, the civility. And I think part of the resurgence is based on terror, fear, chaos. I know physically I, the toll that has been taken on my body in the last four years, because you can't turn away when you want to, you know, mm. it's everywhere and it's so dysfunctional and it's so terrifying and it's so evil. And, yeah. you know, we've all walked away. I've walked away from my oldest and dearest friend of 45 years. You know, we're done. We will Sorry never speak that. again. Uh, yeah. You know, I'm not anymore. At first it was very upsetting, but now what I realize is, that something like the West Wing calms the tumultuous sea in a way that we really need right now. Yeah, it's funny that you say that because the night of the election four years ago, when <laughs> things were starting to look like they were not going in the way that I thought they might have, uh, and most of us, I think, thought they might have, I put on two cathedrals. <laughs> you did. And I watched the last episode, which I, I truly believe is the best episode of television ever written. And I watched the president throw his cigarette down in the middle of the cathedral and tell God that you get hoins. And I just sat in that. <laughs> and I thought that's what it was going to feel like. And boy, was I wrong. Wow, is it so much worse. Uh, <laughs> well, for our listeners that are not into the West Wing, but will be as soon as they listen to this, Two Cathedrals is considered probably to be the most important of anything actually he's written because it really shows man's struggle with God and with right and wrong. And I mean, it just has every single thing in it and it is brilliantly, brilliantly done. So, yeah. and if you could watch two cathedrals and not watch the whole series, you know, yeah. And if, yeah. In fact, maybe what we should do, Elizabeth is put up, if you can only watch 20, which 20 episodes could you watch? Because, Oh God. Yeah. We could <laughs> But when you said to me in your email, you know, I do think this is a good one to do. And I immediately saw how, how right you are. You know, again, it shows Aaron's ability to look at, at what are the real issues. One of the things you mm -hmm. said to me, and I want to say it again, is you can't pretend to be stupid. And there is a bunch of dumbing down now mm -hmm. to try to see if people cannot take what is incorrect information, not to be confused with being stupid. Mm -hmm. Like if I'm fed incorrect information because I only go to one information source and all that information that's coming in is really off. Mm -hmm. Okay. Am I stupid or am I ill-informed? And right. that's the true question of our time. And I think what Toby's saying to Bartlett is you can't worry about that. You have to be the smartest you can be because that's the best you can be. And everybody needs to show up and be the best they could be. And so maybe that's Sorkin's message to this higher moment in time for all of us. Yeah, Toby says it beautifully when he tells him to make this election about being smart and not, being qualified and not, being a heavyweight and not. And Jed is all those things, right? And I love Joe Biden and, you know, my grandmother just passed and there was Aside from my grandfather, who also loved Joe Biden, no one in the world she loved more than Joe Biden. Really? Um, Is that true? Yeah. yeah. She loved Joe Biden. Oh, my God. And my, my aunt called after she passed, and she asked if there was somewhere she could donate in her name. And, and she had had cancer, and she was like, maybe to the Cancer Association. And I said, you know, honestly, I think the only thing my grandmother would love is if you donated to Biden in her name. She'd well, love it. And did she do uh, it? 
She did. She totally did. Well, uh, I don't know how much it was, but he's raised more than anybody in the history. Yeah. And I don't I just, think my aunt put her over the put him over the top, but I think Biden knows what he's talking about, right? I think. Well, by the way, this is not a time for change. This is a time for healing, and I think he's the right person to come in and heal for four years. I do. I sure. absolutely do. I I completely agree, and I think his choice of VP is an acknowledgement to the future. I think it's a tip of the hat towards, you know, my generation who's looking at a Congress that is 80% over the age of 50, right? And we're looking at our future wondering who's in it for us. And I think Kamala is, is the tip of the hat from the Democratic Party saying, we've got you guys in mind. Don't worry, we haven't. Well, again, my generation apologizes to yours. But if we get back to, <laughs> if we get back to this a little bit, okay. For me, the highlight of the whole thing, though, was Lin-Manuel Miranda bantering with Donna. Because Absolutely. it was new dialogue. You know, finally, we were seeing new dialogue from Aaron Sorkin. And that back and forth, I'm going to make a visual aid audio here. Yeah. That back and forth <laughs> was so dynamic. And also, you know, Lin-Manuel Miranda delivers so well. He has perfect, impeccable timing, as does Donna. And it was as good as Donna has done with Josh. And I've never yeah. seen Donna as good with any of the other characters as she was with Josh until that moment. There's a rhythm to yeah. their dialogue. There's a rhythm to every Sorkin yeah. show, every yeah. Sorkin movie, every in Noel, in the episode Noel, when I know it well. Josh is dealing <laughs> with the fallout. Yes. Yo Yo Ma is playing at the White House. They have a great story about how because Dulé Hill grew up as a tap dancer. So Dulé is literally trying to tap in that scene to what Yo-Yo is playing at the time. And music plays such a massive yeah, part of this show. And it's, it's almost like music between the characters when they're talking like that. And so the fact that, A, we all know that Lin-Manuel Miranda is a massive West Wing fan. Um, oh, I had forgotten that. Also, That's right, he is. Yeah. In fact, he did a little skit with somebody on it. I can't remember what it was, but we'll have to find that and I'll put it up. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. But getting to read Aaron Sorkin's words with Lin-Manuel Miranda's yep. sense of rhythm. Oh, I, I mean, just, you know, it, it, it's, it it's, it's musical. Poetry. It's musical and also <laughs> yes. entertaining. And it was new. And since I've seen The West Wing probably yeah. eight or nine times in its entirety, mm -hmm. I was just so grateful to have some new dialogue from Aaron on this. Yeah, I loved Absolutely. it. Absolutely. And what did you think of the, what I called interruptus? I know they needed to get Michelle Obama and Bill Clinton and all these people in to say, you've got to vote, mm -hmm. you've got to vote, you've got to vote. But I did find it disruptive, especially in the first half. Did you find it that way? Or? I knew it was going to happen. And I'm so used to watching the show and knowing that there were commercial breaks in there that it didn't bother me so much because this show was written for commercial breaks. I think we're, our minds are maybe attuned a little bit differently now since we're so used to streaming, we're right. not used to watching right. commercials anymore. I also found it interesting that they kept saying that this was a nonpartisan event, yet oh, it was uh, that, well, that's absolutely ridiculous. partisan. <laughs> it was 100% <laughs> partisan. They didn't say Joe Biden's name, but every issue that they made the audience aware of was absolutely a democratic yeah. issue. I mean, nobody should pretend it's anything else, but at the same time, I found it a little bit, yeah. That's my I, issue with newsroom. Yeah, Sorry, we'll, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> you know, I found it a little bit interruption, a little bit, I guess because it was pounding home, go vote, go vote, go vote. 
And it was like, well, I was so happy to have an interlude from this moment in time that we're living in. You yes. know, it's, by the way, it's 400, I figured this out before we went on, it's 468 hours until the election. I know, and counting. Right? And so everybody's, that's all we've got on our mind. So I just was so happy to have a little relief. Now also the characters, yeah. okay, Toby has not aged a day in 10 years. No, Richard Schiff's amazing. I would like to know what Rob Lowe does because he actually doesn't look like he's aged at all. Oh, you um, know, I don't even think of him, but you're right. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not a fan. You know, I don't like Rob? the way he walked out. No, I, I didn't like the way he walked out of the series. I didn't like mm. that he wanted, that they, it was really an ensemble series. And, and, you know, if you look at Friends and you look at Seinfeld and actors that have really treated the actors with them mm -hmm. as an ensemble s series group of actors, I feel Rob Rowe sort of walked out on that. I, I, I'm not a Well, big... he left when Aaron left, which I no, think... No, he left when Aaron he left, left when Aaron but... Left. He did, but he also left. He said he was leaving before Aaron did, and he left because he wanted more money. Well, it was also supposed to be his show. It, it's why he gets yeah. top billing on the show. It was supposed well, but, but to get be over his show. Your, yeah, but get over yourself. You know? <laughs> I think he okay. did. I think he did a good job. I don't know. I think he plays Sam Seaborn well. And do you watch Parks and Rec? No, I don't. Should oh, I? You should absolutely watch Parks and Rec. Okay. Uh, he definitely comes back and makes fun of himself quite a lot as his character on Parks and Rec, which is fantastic. Look, I think he's a great actor. Everything that I've seen him in, I think his acting chops are really good. I just didn't like the way he handled himself with the other cast. And actually, that. I don't think the other cast were big fans of him. That's a little sad. Yeah, well, well, I don't know. I mean, are you a fan of Grey's Anatomy? I was. I watched until Christina Yang left. I she know. was isn't she the best? She was my. I, I just love Anne. you and I are kindred spirits. Yeah. I think she and C.J. Craig are the two best female characters in a series that I know of. Yeah. I think C.J. is the embodiment of every woman I want to be. I know. Um, <laughs> and I actually, this is a really embarrassing story. When I first moved to Los Angeles, I was at the grocery store and I was putting my stuff on the conveyor belt, and I heard this voice say, well, thank you, Bob. I really appreciate that. And my head snapped up and I saw this very tall woman in a baseball hat walking away. And I looked <laughs> at the cashier and I said, was that Allison Janney? Because I just recognized her voice. And he was like, yeah. And I had this moment of like, be the crazy girl and run after her into the parking lot <laughs> or don't do that. And I decided that because my dream was to work in film and TV, I didn't want to be remembered as the crazy girl who ran after her in the parking lot, but the, it was very hard to stop myself from doing that. And I am hopeful that one day I will actually get to meet her and probably not tell her that story because it's really embarrassing, but. <laughs> well, but now did you see her in The Help? Yeah. <laughs> I thought, she, oh, you didn't think she, I thought she was excellent in that. Uh, she's great. I was wondering what she was doing in the movie. The movie's a train wreck. Sorry. It, By the way, a lot of people said that. I happen to have liked it, but a lot of people felt that it was, and they also felt that it was not dealing with the racism was really badly done. You it's know, so. very clearly written by white people. Yeah, well. It's just, it's very, it's treacly. It's saccharine, right? And it makes, I feel like it's written to make white people feel better about how we treated black servants and... I, I don't know. I just... Well, I which, you know, to, I'm, I'm sure that's totally true. I think we're only starting to really recognize how the racism in this country, but that, again, that's another story for another time. Yeah. But I do 
want to talk about, I want to put a quote, I want to pull from that New York Times, that fabulous article from 2019 again, before we end up here, before we finish off. Somebody said, when I feel the need for comfort from the circus in the White House, I watched the pilot, said Terry Callahan Kempf of Glens Falls, New York, who belongs to the Facebook group, Fans of the West Wing Weekly Podcast, whose members share a passion for revisiting the show. Seriously, almost every night before I go to sleep. And I just... I feel like that's a good wrap up that every night before we go to sleep, you're looking for some positivity or some hope or some touching of the past, a touchstone that says we can get back there again, you know, and I can't thank you enough for taking some time to come in and talk about this. If there's anything else you want to sort of put out there before we wrap up, but I also think that it is a show of hope Mm -hmm. and to have him rewrite this and have the cast come back. And actually they had to quarantine for two weeks before they, you know, this took them a month and a half of their personal time and safety because they really believe in this country. And, you know, they're very active on Twitter, Mm -hmm. these actors, you know, there's, it was more than just a TV show. It was also a point of pride. It was like the American flag for Mm -hmm. some of us liberals who just felt that it pulled the best of what America was. So what do you think? Should we, should we make a plan to come back on the 4th and put our favorite West Wing episode back? I mean, I'm game if you are. I, I truly believe that Two Cathedrals is the best episode of all time. My litmus test with, uh, with friends is usually introducing them to the West Wing. <laughs> Every roommate I've ever had has been introduced to the West Wing. My fiance was introduced to the West Wing. Uh, and well, you can't marry somebody who doesn't have the same. Absolutely. Yeah. Sorry, um, it's not, not a lot. Toby, yeah. we'll talk about that later. Well, okay, wait, I'm going to ask you a question. Toby or Josh? Wait, am I or would I choose? Would you choose? I would choose Josh because apparently I am Toby. Oh. According to my fiance. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay, I am, interesting. I am an eternal optimist in a grumpy body. <laughs> okay. Okay. I, well, I don't know that I found Toby optimistic. Toby believes in our better angels. He's the conscience of the show. He, no, he believes in other people believing in better angels. Now, keep in mind, Toby, by the way, when they were filming the first episode, Aaron Sorkin notices that <laughs> Toby's wearing a wedding ring. He's like, what? Anyway, he stops shooting and he goes over to him and he says, you're wearing a wedding ring. And Toby says, yeah. And he goes, are you married? I didn't, you know, and he goes, well, he's, he's a widower. Okay. So Toby in his mind was filled with, that's not a hopeful moment. You know, if Toby sees himself as a widower living forever in the pain of having lost the great love of his life, then that's not exactly an optimist. Would you agree? I disagree because Toby, Toby writes the speeches that allows the president to blow the rafters off the walls. He's the one who appeals to our better angels. He's the one who crafts the state of the union. He is the one who steps up and says, we can do better and we must do better. Elizabeth, you just made my point. He writes the speeches for other people to speak, right. not for him, not for him to live. He no, does not he live those speeches. It. But he believes know. it. He he believes it enough that he's able to write it. And he he is the one who comes in and says, We need an issues calendar because no one else is gonna do it. And he's the one who crafts the policy. I think he wishes it were so, but I think he's writing he's writing fiction in his mind, not reality. 
But I think he always believes that it can be reality. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Toby saved Social Security by removing his name. He actually didn't. At the end, well, Toby, he wanted to save it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Anyway, all right. So anyway, you would pick. Interesting. So you would pick Josh, though. I mean, who didn't have a crush on Bradley Whitford when he played Josh Lyman? I did not. With the the dimples and the oh my god, he's so adorable. No, no, I really <laughs> would you pick. I probably well, of course, I'm also two generations. I'm you know, I'm a generation ahead of you. I'm your father's generation. I probably would have picked John Spencer. Oh, I mean, I have a mug that says, What would Leo do? Like yeah. it is my, well, my guiding light. <laughs> and I have a piece of paper on my computer that says WWCJD. What would CJ do? So there you have it. Well, she did keep the fine because yeah. yeah. Well, I know. Did you ever try it? No. I couldn't. couldn't. Allison's a, she's a cut above, man. Yeah. Well, it was, it's so nice to be able to talk about that, which was on TV so long ago. And I really appreciate you coming and, and having this conversation. I hope you'll come back, you know, your knowledge and and, yeah. The fact that we agree probably makes it even. I mean, absolutely. Uh, Okay. So do you recommend people go and get this right? HBO. Yeah, uh, it, I will say it's it's kind of crap that it's only available on HBO. When is this supposed to encourage people to vote? But yes, everybody should go get this. <laughs> okay, but interestingly enough, I saw that Bradley Whitford tweeted this afternoon that HBO is trying to find a way to make it free. They're trying to open up the portal just to let you watch that, which is great. That's yeah, great news, right? So it's all good. Okay, so we want everybody to vote. And my daughter who works in politics, she says you have to vote early and vote in person because that's the only way that this election will not be contested. So we urge you all to vote and to watch The West Wing if you haven't. And if you had, it's a really good time to watch it again. Absolutely. Good night. Good night.